Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to yet another episode of Hangout with Abisoye. And uh, how has your week been? I'm hoping that you're listening to this maybe middle of the week or something. How's your week been? How are you? How are you doing? Okay, so I'll answer that question. Me, myself, and I, I am doing fine. Thank you for asking. I know you're asking in your rooms or wherever you're listening. And I'm doing fine. I'm grateful. It's the, yeah, it's the fourth month and I'm super grateful um, for where I am at this moment. So, and today on Hangout with Abisoye, I have, I need to do drum rolls. <laughs> um... Yes, I have with me Bamidele Salako, and um, Bamidele Salako is um, is someone. Is one of those people. Um, he's one of those people that have encouraged me um, on the podcast. He always leaves a review, and and it's always it's always awesome to hear back from someone. So here, Bamidele, introduce yourself. You're super quiet. <laughs> Thank you for having me, uh, Abby. Um... Well, like you said, I'm Bamidele Salako. I'm a settlement practitioner. I'm sure a lot of your listeners wouldn't really understand what that means. So what it means is that. that I work... You don't either. <laughs> so what that means is that I work with uh, new immigrants, especially immigrants professionals, before they land in Canada uh, to help identify resources and services that will help to make their transition to Canada a seamless one. So that, that's basically what I do, yeah. Okay. And that's what you do 9 to 5, right? Do I want to put you on the spot to the other things that you do on that are not 9 to 5? <laughs> do you want me to put you on the spot for the other things that you do that are not 9 to 5? I will tell you if um, maybe if I get very chatty, I might tell you other things about Mdele that I find very cheesy and very fun. Um, but yes, um, it's a lie. I do know what settlement prep. What is settlement practitioner? It sounds very mouthful. Settlement practitioners do. And I will tell you why, because coincidentally, at the moment when I was trying to come into Canada, I had just gotten my, um, you know, the golden email and I was getting excited to, to start to come down. Um, I reached, someone told me about SOPA and I can't even remember the most. Like, I think that settlement, but there was a full meaning of SOPA. It's settlement online pre-arrival. Okay. Settlement online pre-arrival. So someone told me about SOPA and I did reach out. I filled up the form. I did everything. And I think my very first consultant that they assigned to me was Bamidele. And I was like, huh, is it because they know that I'm Nigerian they assigned in Nigeria? I'm sure Bamidele has no idea. Like, I think I reminded you of that. You had no idea, right? Yeah, I had no idea. I remember you asking me that question when we uh, had our first meeting. <laughs> I was like, no, it's random. Uh, it just, it's purely coincidental that we get to yeah. meet. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I was like, okay, they assigned in Nigeria and I was super happy. And, you know, and, and in between that, I think I, I had a job and, you know, all my life. And so it was a lot of jitters and it was just really reassuring to go through that um, program. To be honest, and I'm really sorry, I, I don't think I've eventually finished the entire program, but I know that I did reach out because I was coming in a month or a few weeks after. And I, I think I met you at your office and yeah. We didn't keep in touch, but yes, that for me, just that friendly face and having to meet someone that you know, um, like understands my background or where I'm coming from was just such a relief at the time. And so, on today's topic, um, we will be discussing the challenges of a new professional immigrant and um, who 
who who is a better person to have this conversation other than Bam Dele? So for me, that's one of the reasons why I chose Bam Dele. Like, okay, Bam Dele was one of the few people that helped me when I first came into Canada and with a lot of questions, a lot of hopes and anxieties. And so um, that's why I wanted Bam Dele to be on the show today. So Bam Dele, can you, you get the front row seat the expectations, the anxieties, the, you know, everything going on with a professional immigrant coming from different parts of the world, not even from Nigeria, because I guess that you guys um, serve a lot of um, nationalities. And I know that you're trained to do this. What's that like? I just need you to speak like your experience of what happens, you know, typically and from your experience with new immigrants when they're coming, professional immigrants when they're coming into Canada. All right. So um, first of all, I want to thank you for bringing me on, uh, Abdi. It's a, it's amazing work you're doing. Uh, I follow the podcasts and it's always engaging, always exciting to uh, look forward to the next episode. So I'm glad to now be featured on the on the podcast. So thank you for bringing me on. You're welcome, I don't know. If you listen to the podcast before, you would know that I'm very, I don't know, I'm kind of passionate about people calling me Abisoye. Like, if I know that you can pronounce them, I'm like, please call me Abisoye. I would rather be Abisoye than Abi. So please, Bamdele, it's Abisoye. Thank you. Yeah, but please go ahead. Take it. To, to, to Mrs. Notch the, the other time. So when you guys talked about identity. Uh, yeah? So yeah, Abisoye, it is there. <laughs> okay. Okay. No problem. So please take it away. What do you, what's your experience when, when people come in and, you know, you get the front row say, so just tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've been on both sides of the divide, right? I've been an immigrant professional who's moving to Canada and not really knowing what the future holds, you know. And now I'm a professional who works in Canada's immigrant serving non-profit sector, helping other immigrants to arrive prepared. And so I mm. can relate. I'm able to relate with, you know, those anxieties. First of all, you're excited, you know, when you get the approval. Uh, to move once your PR application is approved. I'm sure you can relate to the excitement I that comes know, with like, that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I recall, you know, when my wife called me, my, because my wife was the primary applicant, so I was at the office that day, and then she called me and said, guess what, babe? I said, what? She said, it has landed. <laughs> my oh, my God. <laughs> just the memories. I, I mean, I'm feeling, there's this sense of nostalgia I'm feeling right now, just remembering you know, how it felt when I got that call. Uh, yeah. We called it the magic email. I used to be part of these WhatsApp groups, you know, that had a lot of Nigerians who were in different stages of the uh, application process. And so we used to call I it think, the magic email. I think they called it, in my own group, they called it the golden email. And I didn't realize what it was. So when I asked, I said, what's this email? Everyone was like, how else is it going to be wrapped in gold? But that's the golden email. I'm like, okay. So yeah, I get you. Go ahead. I can relate totally. And so, you know, that, at that point, you know, you, you're, not, you're not really thinking of, you know, what the future holds. You're just excited that, especially when you've taken a longer time to receive approval. Uh, for, for us, for some people, our friends, it took them just maybe three weeks, one month after applying to get approval. But for my wife and I, it took us about six to seven months or so, oh, you know, wow. and so it took quite a long while. And so when it came in, there was this just so much excitement. You know, but then mm. um, after a couple of days, it starts. It starts to dawn on you that, oh, come on, look, I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm going to this country. There's no job mm. waiting for me. You know, 
And for mm -hmm. me, some people have family here, but for us, there was no family, you know, waiting. We weren't even sure at that point, you know, what city, what, what would be the perfect city for us. So there was a lot of, you know, anticipation and ex excitement, but there was also anxiety about um, what it was going to be like if we we're making the right decision. Is this something we're going to regret? And then to make matters worse, you know, I had um, a, a colleague who said to me that, why, why are you going to Canada? People are running away from Canada. You are going to Canada. <laughs> Canada, is, it's a difficult place to get a job and stuff, you know. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, that kind of added to the anxiety. I was like, am I making the right decision right now? You know, but yeah. um, so I've been there and I know what people go through you know, at that stage, especially when it begins to dawn on them that, look, I'm getting closer to that arrival date. Um, what will yeah. the future hold? You know, and that puts me in a position uh, to actually provide them with the right kind of support that will help them make that transition in an informed manner. Uh, because uh, information, really, uh, is the name of the game. It can either, the quality of information you have will determine how well you do you know after you land how well you settle during those initial months of arriving um, in Canada. yeah I can and, uh, yeah well, okay, so question, yeah no 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 yeah. so I, I said i can imagine and and i just wanted to say but but i'm really the honest truth this i don't think any arrival like and this is Sopa is doing a fantastic job. What you guys are doing, very fantastic. However, I'm thinking that is there anything that really prepares you for this journey? Like, I know I know myself and Mrs. George will always say it's a monumental change and all that. But I think it's until you actually step your foot in and a few weeks after, because that's another, you know, when you're getting closer, that's one phase. And when you eventually come here, um, you know, so how how do people, and I know you see this often, how do you help people to understand, like, okay, everything, because SOPA does is courses and information and, you know, you have to do those courses and you load up and, you know, all those things. But, you know, those first few months when they eventually come and meet you in the office, how how do you help people go through that? And if you can just give us tips and, you know, and tell us perhaps, you know, describe what you think because I know that somebody is feeling something right now and they don't, they can't put their hands on it. They feel like they're supposed to be excited. They've made this move. Everyone back home is excited for them, but they're feeling something right now, but they, they can't, they can't put their hands on it. And I know that you've seen this too many times. And so can you describe, or can you just, you know, like diagnose what's going what's happening in those first few months? Yeah. So um, it's pretty much like uh, driving, right? Um, when you want to learn to drive, especially here in Canada, you take all of these courses that prepare you for the whole thing. You read this driver's guide to licensing. Uh -huh. You know, you do all of this knowledge test. But at the end of the day, you actually have to get on the road, to get in the vehicle and drive <laughs> uh, to, be, to be sure that you do know how to drive. It's the same thing with swimming. You can read about swimming, watch videos about swimming, but until you actually get into the pool and try to swim, uh, yeah, you wouldn't know what swimming actually feels like. And it's the same thing with uh, relocating. You know, you can access all of these pre-arrival services, and those are amazing. I mean, the amount of support you get is unbelievable. It's and it's invaluable because. We've had quite a number of amazing stories on how these 
you know, our services, our, our services, the SOPA and other pre-arrival services have helped people make the transition in a seamless fashion. But when you land, you know, for us uh, immigrants, the first thing on our mind is getting a job. You know, you, 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 many of us were at the peak of our careers before we came. Many of us had yeah. achieved a certain level of comfort, you know, before moving to Canada. And now you've come to this new country where nobody knows you. Employers don't know you. Uh, you, have, you basically have to start from scratch to build a network, to build a professional reputation for yourself. You don't probably don't have family or friends here. It's a massive change. We tend to undermine that aspect of the whole thing. The fact that it is a huge change that is going on. You're going through a huge process of change. Um, many of us had people who were helping us, you know, at home, housemates who helped you with the kids know, so right. you could focus on your career, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, many of us were even chauffeur driven to work. You had a driver who oh drove you to God. work and <laughs> you could read the, the morning papers as you were driven to work. You know, you had people who washed your cars. I mean, you had people doing things for you uh, back home. You had so much support from family from employees working with you and all of that. But then you've come here, uh, especially if you're married uh, with kids, you've come here, you have to do everything that you have you had help for uh, back home. You have, to, you have to do it all by yourself here. You have to do your own it's laundry. A, it's a, it's a, so, a do-it-yourself society. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's a massive change, you know, for a whole lot of people. And then combine that with a grueling job search and the weather, you know, the, the massive change in weather, you're going from one extreme to the other extreme, you know, minus, depending on where you are in Canada, minus 30, minus 40, minus 50 temperatures, especially uh, if you land in winter. The truth is nothing can prepare you adequately, you know, for these experiences. You have to be here to face it. But you just also have to understand that you're not the only one who is going through these things. It's a similar experience for everyone. At the point in time, it is going to seem overwhelming. And that's the way everybody yeah. feels. It will seem like too much is, like a whole lot is happening at the same time. It will seem like too much. It will, it's going to seem like you're going to crumble under the weight of everything that is happening. But that moment yeah. is when you actually get the opportunity to sink your roots deep, you know, and really develop that mental fortitude that will see you through the rest of you know, your settlement experience over the next one to three, four, five years uh, in Do Canada. Do we ever really like, settle? Well, Did you get that? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, in immigration studies, we learned that, you know, settling, integrating into a new society after you've relocated can actually be, take a lifetime. It can take oh, wow. a lifetime. Yeah. So some people actually never adjust. And that's the reality. Some people just never adjust. It's not their fault. It's not like they don't want to. But for some reason, it could be their own wiring, the, the way they are engineered. They just never adjust. But what's, what counts is that one makes the effort, you know. And one of the ways to do that is by opening up to, you know, the culture you've come into. Just embracing mm-hmm. the culture, meeting with new people, exposing oh. yourself to new experiences, new cultures, new people. You know, outside of your own immediate ethnocultural community. It, it kind of sounds like it's. It, sorry to cut you, Dabamdel. It kind of sounds, and, and my head is just spinning while you're talking. It kind of sounds like it's a world for 
extroverts to actually like extroverts would do better than introverts because you're telling me if I don't like to meet with people, you're telling me I have to open up. I'm like, I don't want to. I'm just, you know, chill. And and so is is that is that right to say that extroverts can you know um, figure these things out quickly or have the mental fortitude to do this quickly or you know they can survive quickly or yeah what do you think or adjust quickly to the system? Not not, not necessarily. Uh, being extroverted can be an asset. There's no doubt about it, and it can be quite an adjustment for introverts to make. For example, uh, before I came, I was, I, I, I can say maybe that I have a fluid personality. <laughs> so there are situations okay. where I am introverted and then there are situations when situations compel, I really come out of my shell and I tend to engage with people, you know, so that's mm-hmm. what I have found about from my own personal experience. Before I came here, it wasn't, so, it wasn't something I did. I mean, networking, meeting with people, total strangers, connecting with them, starting conversations with strangers was not something that I would do. I would say it fell within the range of my comfort zone. No. But I found, once I came here, I found that it might be counterproductive for me to just keep to myself, you know? True. And so, obviously, uh, the truth is human beings, we are adaptive. One of the skills we have as humans is the ability to adapt. You'll be amazed at what you can do, you know, when um, circumstances demand it. And that is what I found, you know, when I came here. I started to develop social skills, in, um, interaction skills. And mm. when I once I started to work, that kind of helped me again as well because thankfully I had colleagues, you know, who were open, who would always engage you, who would always want to have mm. a conversation take you out for You guys are in the line chat. of helping people now, so you should... You guys yeah. are in the line of helping people, so you should... The, your colleagues should be nicer because that's what you guys do, actually. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that really made it easy for me to get embedded into the system. I, I used my colleagues as practice, actually. <laughs> and before you knew it, you know, <laughs> I started to go out for events. You know, talking to total strangers became... Uh, second nature. It was easier for me to just warm up to people and talk to them, connect with people on LinkedIn who work in the same, or people who just I had interest, I had an interest in what they were doing, just like you. Mm. Uh, If I reached out to you, I know I love what you're doing with the podcast, I commented, that wasn't me before. I would enjoy the podcast (laughs) and I would be like I keep quiet. (laughs) And I share with people you know, and I share, oh listen to this, this is good, but trust me I would not you have never confidence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To come up to I know you're going to say Liva. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to yeah, say, say Liva. I, I, I caught that. Like Anyways. That, I know, I know mm-hmm. that Liva to do <laughs> I know. So, yeah. I know, but I, I don't know if you remember, and that's me. I always remember the vaguest and funniest things. When I first had that conversation with you, I asked you about how you got your job. And I think, if I remember correctly, you mentioned, and, and I'm sure you don't remember having this conversation with me, but you mentioned that you had met um, someone who worked at SOPA at your current organization who was leaving or something. And I'd asked you if you wanted to do what he was doing because you were doing something else before, right? Am I right? And That's so, right. I have and, a and, faint and, recollection yeah, actually, of that conversation. Yeah, I have a faint recollection of it. Um, so <laughs> That's me, I always happened, remember weird things. Yeah, yeah you, you have the memory of an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. 
So I, I was working in the media, you know, before I came here. I was a journalist, uh, basically. I was okay. deputy editor for Ovation International Magazine. And so oh, okay. um, when I signed up for SOPA, uh, shortly after we received approval to move, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the then inter-council or the individual who was occupying my current room um, yeah. was also a journalist. He had been a journalist. He's a white Canadian. He's Canadian. But he had worked in South America and other continents as a journalist, you know. Okay. And so that was like um, a common ground for us to connect. Like the connection you know, with you guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we developed a bond, you know, from then mm. on. And we stayed in touch. Yeah, we would always exchange um, messages on LinkedIn, you know, have occasional conversations after that. And so once I landed... Um, yeah. the suggestion came that, oh, you write, so why don't you volunteer? Because we do a lot of writing on this program, called, uh, success, documenting success stories, you know, writing, you know, articles that can help, you know, uh, newcomers understand the Canadian system and all of that. Oh, so I said, oh, no, that, no worries. I'm going to do that. At the time, I was doing a, a, what we call a survival job at FedEx. When I first landed. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Let me quickly tell you. So another friend of mine that is very... Oh, I can hear an echo. Okay, so another friend of mine that is into um, something similar to what you do, but she's in Edmonton. She had corrected me and said that... Can you hear that echo? No. Hi, Bamdele. Okay, maybe it's from my end and maybe it's just me. So she had corrected me and mentioned that we shouldn't call it survival jobs. Um, she said that, and and I'm, I'm, I'm also trying to correct myself. She said that because these are jobs that some people decide to do, you know, and they do it That's for the rest great. of their life. So we calling it survival job may, may, makes it feel like um, demeaning. And that at the time, it's just, it's just work that we needed to do. It might just be a job, not a career. So you had a job. <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to learn. Yeah, so we actually call it transitional jobs. They're actually called transitional jobs. Uh, that's the okay. formal name. A lot of people outside of Canada can relate to that. They understand it more as survival jobs. That was why I used that sure. term. Uh, yeah, survival. sure, sure. I'm also learning, trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had that transitional job. It gave me the opportunity to volunteer on Fridays because it was Monday to Thursday. So it was Mondays mm-hmm. to Thursday. So I had the Fridays free. So what I did was Fridays, I go to uh, CCIS, which is the parent organization of the program I work on. And I volunteer, I write, you know, blogs, interview past participants, document their success stories, you know, contribute ideas, marketing ideas and initiatives and all of that. And so when he was going to leave, uh, I just got a call out of the blue. And I remember I was on my way to gro- I was on my way grocery shopping. And mm-hmm. I got the call and he said, oh, I'm actually leaving. And we've been interviewing for this position. You know, uh, mm-hmm. would you be interested? Like, Are you kidding me? Are you asking me if I'm going to be interested? <laughs> of course I'm interested. <laughs> I can imagine you asking so, me. I've already resumed. So. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, you get, I've resumed. If you tell me to start this night, I will resume. <laughs> And so he said, send in your resume and uh, cover letter and I'll forward it to the director of the, of the uh, division and then we'll see what happens. And I did that. Later in the evening, I got a message again from, are you available to come in for an interview tomorrow? He said, because we've actually interviewed people, but 
Um, we are, we're having one more, just one more interview tomorrow. We can add you to the slot. I said, oh, of course, I will come in. And then I went. So I was basically the last person to be interviewed oh, wow. uh, oh, wow. for the role. Yeah, and I got the job. You know, I got the job. So yeah, um, and, and that was, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What are you going to say? Something? Okay. So I was going to say that you're the second person that I've had on the podcast. So I had um, Imole Ayo Madieri. Imole also said that her role was also yeah, volunteering and having conversations with people. You're the second person telling me that your role is also volunteering and having, you know, because people say, oh, this thing don't work. They say we should go and volunteer, you know, we should go and uh, how many, especially now with COVID, right? It makes it a little tough. Um, to actually come in, but so I'm I'm really glad you shared this because I always want to take out pointers that people can hold on to. Um, I also volunteered, but I didn't get the job with the organization that I volunteered for. I, but it was just it just helped me in what I'm doing right now uh, because I could relate to it and saying that I had experience um, working with this um, particular organization during the COVID season because I came in and. Two weeks after or three weeks after there was lockdown. Well, yeah, almost yeah, almost a month after there was lockdown. So basically that's what I was doing. So to anyone listening, and I know that we're we're just myself and, and Bamdelia right now, just you know, quote unquote gisting and sharing, swapping stories. But I want anyone who's listening to take away um from this that um one, you have to put yourself out there. Two, you have to volunteer, which is what I hear Bamdele saying. And it's it's like ringing through in the episodes that we've had so far um, with, with a couple of other people too. So yes, it does work. Uh, because you can imagine, Bamdele, that the other people that you know, got interviewed for the role before you came on board, were like maybe five or four people, they'll have gotten them and said, oh, I think I did well at that interview. And, and you know, they will have felt like they did well. But people always buy into... Um, KIC, what they know and who they know. And so they know you, they've seen your work. So why do we want to go and try and uh, risk bringing someone else new when we've seen this young, like we've seen his work and we know him. So I can imagine those guys were praying too and saying, oh, I've done this interview. And that's how I felt Absolutely. after I did a couple of it. Yeah, I did a, I did one interview, Bam <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> so I finished the interview. <laughs> if I saw this thing there, <laughs> it really pained me. So I, I did the interview and I entered into the place and I was, and it's kind of similar to like, uh, similar to your kind of organization uh, where you work right now. And I did the interview and I, and I you know, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I have finished this interview. It was good. It was great. Um, I was talking to the director. So after the first interview, I had a, uh, a coffee. <laughs> and, you know, when they tell you are, you're doing coffee with directors, you're already feeling like, ah, they know that I'm, I'm getting this yeah, thing, yeah. right? So I That's did, I did coffee with the director, you know, and it was not even a, it wasn't even an interview anymore at that time it was just, so what would you do when you start kind of conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, guess what, Bamdele, they went for someone who they already knew, um, someone who was not new to them. But yes, my hopes were crushed, like literally crushed. But it now goes back to what you're saying. So imagine that it was me and you vying for that position and then you come in and because they already know you, they're like, oh, we really like that girl, but I think we already know this guy, you know, yeah. and, and that's probably what's happening to a lot of people. So yes, please volunteer, please reach out to people. But, you know, that experience did not go to waste. Um, maybe in one of my podcasts, I'll share the, what eventually happened with that experience, but that experience did not go to waste because eventually um, someone on that team actually now recommended me for something else. But 
Wow, God, I'm saying it. I say, yeah. Well, it turned out bad at the time. Bamdele, trust me, <laughs> it wasn't looking <laughs> like I was so crushed. I I felt, I felt like it was one of those yeah, times where, yeah, I felt, I felt really crushed. So I can imagine that the people that you also listen, that you know, that you also came in and just bumped into the interview felt crushed. But you had put in the work yeah. too, and they had started to know you. So yeah. That, yeah, I think really, one of the things volunteering does actually is that it gives you an insider's advantage. And true. I really played on that during the interview. Um, I really stressed on some of the tasks that I performed. I demonstrated that I had a very good knowledge of the functions, the processes of the role I was being recruited mm. for. You know, because mm. I performed you know, different... There were limits to what I could do as a volunteer, but I had my eyes to the ground and I'd seen, you know, into the things that, uh, the, the tasks that would be required of me if I was to function within that setting. And so I also understood the organizational culture. And then during my volunteering, I'd, made, I'd formed close bonds with, you know, people in that unit. And so mm. it was, everything was basically just working in my favor uh, because, yeah. you know, and then, some of my colleagues, who are now my colleagues, but who were then, you know, uh, people I was volunteering on uh, tasks with, were then stressing to the director that this guy, you know, is going to be an asset. I would later find out that they were stressing to the director that this guy is the one we need to get for this role. <laughs> he knows oh, a lot about what we're doing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think volunteering can be an asset. Another thing it can do for you is even if you don't get recruited by the same organization, like for in your case, it became a referral source, you know, for another yes, opportunity definitely. elsewhere. Even if sure. it doesn't become Very. a referral source, it is mm. valuable experience. It is one way you can gain Canadian experience that you can use on your resume for subsequent job applications. Yes. Okay, so, so now that you mentioned Canadian Express, I'm going to put you on the spot. So is it true that that and and I know the answer, but I just want to put it out there. Is oh, I think I have my own ideas about it, and I want to know what your ideas are. Is it true that people the Canadian experience? Um, because okay, so I'll give you an example. One of those um, new I had. So I left Calgary, and I so the next time I came because I did some London when, when we met in. Um, 2019 and I left and I came back in February 2020 and so I went to Edmonton and one of those newcomer um, organizations I was sitting in the lobby and I met another Nigerian guy uh, who um, you know he yeah you did mention in your in your birthday reflections oh by the way it was Bamdele's birthday last weekend so happy birthday Bamdele <laughs> thank you so much okay yeah, so one of the, um, this person, he was a medical doctor, and I'm going to go back to that because you wrote about uh, medical doctors and a, a couple of other um, uh, jobs in on your on your post on LinkedIn. Um, so he just came and said, oh, forget about it. If you don't have Canadian experience, like this is my week one, right? And this guy is just going, I've been here for four months, nothing, you know, he was just, and I was like, hey, you know, this was, and he just kept saying, if you don't have Canadian experience, forget it. So is that true? Like if you don't have Canadian experience, just forget it. Is that does that ring true for most people? Or and if it's true, how do we? I know we just talked about volunteering um, as one of the ways to bypass it, but is it true or is it just a myth? Is Canadian experience true or is it a myth? And I'm asking you, putting you on the spot because you deal with people who come in and you you go you work with them in the first few months when they're here. 
Yeah, I mean, um, lack of Canadian experience is arguably one of the biggest hurdles that immigrants um, are confronted with uh, during their job search. It's something we hear every time from fellow immigrants you know, who, are, who have applied for jobs. Uh, they don't get hired because, quote-unquote, they don't have Canadian experience. And so it's, it is, it's not a myth. Yeah, it does exist, you know. Um, and one of the ways, like we mentioned, to bypass that is volunteering. Um, employers here have implicit biases. There's a perception gap. There's no doubt about it. Some employers um, do not have confidence in immigrants' international experience, especially because depending on the industry, you know, standards differ. You know, so Canadian okay. standards for in different industries will differ from what's obtainable in other countries. Of course, there are professions like IT, you know, where you mm -hmm. have global standards which are applicable anywhere in the world, uh, basically. Yeah. So long as you have these recognized IT certifications, then you're good to go, uh, basically. Mm -hmm. But Canadian experience itself goes beyond just having certain technical skills and certifications. It actually borders on your soft skills, which I prefer to call behavioral skills. Uh, Canadian employers place a higher premium on your soft skills than your technical skills, education, expertise, and all of that. And so mm. a lot of immigrants tend to focus more on, oh, I'm good at what I do, and that's it. That should be the foundation for on which I'm evaluated. It should be the foundation for which I qualify for promotion and things like that. But Canadian employers don't mm. see it that way. For example... When you start going for job interviews in Canada after you land, at least 70% of those job interviews will be focused on assessing you for cultural fit. And okay. they will be asking you what we call situational and behavioral questions. How well do okay. you get along with your colleagues? How well do you manage conflict at work? You know, um, how well do you handle changes? How well do you communicate? So those sorry, are the things that are, um, Yeah. I know. I was going to say, sorry, Bamle. How well do I handle changes? I'm already here. I took <laughs> how many kilometers? Oh my God. I'm handling change very well, sir. <laughs> like, seriously, I am handling change well. I mean, do you know how far I came from? <laughs> like, do you know exactly. how far my home country is? Like, uh, you know, when you say how well I handle change, I'm like, seriously? I'm here already. That's I a lot that. of change for me. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, they, they want to know how you're going to handle feedback. You know, not all feedback will be complimentary. You know, they'll tell you, yeah, we like what you did here, but you could have done it this way. So, would you uh, become crestfallen and uh, completely tune off because you got feedback that wasn't complimentary? So, those are the things mm. that they're looking at that will determine if people get hired or not, a lot of time, not, a lot, not just your technical skills, because they believe that you can be trained for technical skills, but it's hard to alter people's personalities. You know, it's hard to alter people's behaviors. So they feel like if uh, someone does not exhibit, you know, that potential to integrate into their work culture, they feel like this person yeah. is going to be disrupted. It's going to bring conflict yeah. to the workplace. And so... We cannot hire them. So, which is why I was running. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. 
Okay, I get you. Which is why I was feeling like, oh, when I went to take coffee with the with the directors, I'm like, ah, oh, if I can drink coffee successfully, man, oh, we're good. <laughs> so you can imagine why I felt that way. Like, oh, if I can, you know, yeah. if I can have coffee successfully, and then we're good. And I and I get you. And I just wanted you to repeat, like, is it a myth? Is it something that is true? But you've just told us that um, basically it is. Um, more of our behavioral, uh, uh, what do you call it now? Behavioral, what's that English? Yeah, Yeah, the behavioral skills and, you know, soft skills and stuff like that they're looking out for. But please don't be deceived. They're also looking out for your technical skills. You must have it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, because people just, people just go, oh, you must have it. Like they really, and it's not, and I found out that it's not, the the certifications are not um, really just a thing. They want to see that you can put your hands in and actually take practical um, knowledge of these things. So, yes. While you're exactly. trying to develop that, you I probably will bring on someone in the podcast to just talk about how to get um and I'm sure I'm sure we all know how to get that, especially when you're coming in. So that's why you might reach out to people like Bamdele. I will put Bamdele's full name and you feel Bamdele is very Googleable. <laughs> when you Google Bamdele, you'll find him on, on and you'll find him on LinkedIn. And I'm sure he'll be able to um point you in the right direction in terms of the resources. And Bamdele, you know when I started this and I did tell you I was going to put on the timer, right? It's 36 minutes, Bamdele. <laughs> All right, it's unbelievable. I can't believe it. It's long. It's I know, people don't know. So when I say I want to put on a timer, it's always like, um, okay. I really want to touch on something, but I'm now I'm afraid because I really want to respect the listeners who are, are listening to this and not and not go overboard. And I want us to be able to conclude well. Um, but you did mention something on your on your LinkedIn um, article that you wrote, and I think I'm just going to put a link to it so that people can also get to see it um, wherever I share this. Um, so you shared something about the uh, what's it called now the medical practitioners who come into Canada and what to expect. I'm not going to go into that topic because it's something that is very dear to my heart. I have a very dear friend who is a medical doctor, and I know the challenges that um, the the this person is going through at the moment. So I understand it totally. Um, well, I think I understand it a lot because you know of this person that I know that is very dear to me. However, um, one of the stories that you shared, and, and that was a very sad story, and I'm just going to go back to when people come in as professional immigrants, most of us, like you said, we've tested a bit of success. Most people that are professional immigrants that are coming in are within a certain age range, and they're probably young married couples. And you did share a link to a story on your on your page, and I think it was really sad. And we have about like less than three or four minutes to finish. What would you advise like families, young families coming in here um, from your experience when you see, I, I know you, when they come, they come in. I think myself and my husband came to your office and we met you. And I know you see a lot of couple coming like that. How, so what's the, what's the advice you would give um, to, you know, to avoid such really soft stories and, you know, not so um, excited, very sad stories. What would you advise um, married couples to do, um, especially when they arrive, and what are the things they should look out for, um, so as not to to be on the same page, kind of? Yeah, so I, I think that that's something that has to be handled ever before you know coming to Canada. You have to make sure that you're both on the same page. You know, the the, the story Abisoye was referring to um, was of a couple, you know, who went really on the same page. It was more like the wife's dream you know, to immigrate to Canada. Eventually, the husband got on board, but not initially. 
and it was even reluctantly. And so when they got here, um, the husband's employment outcomes were not as anticipated, even though the wife's mm. career was blossoming. And so that led to conflict yeah. and there was a breakdown in communication and ultimately, you know, divorce now. And so um, before you come to Canada, you want to make sure you're on the same page. Don't be peer pressured by your partner to come to Canada. You have to agree that this is what you both want to do. And then mm. um, it makes it easier for you to collaborate after you land here. So that even if it's one person who is working, you can work together and make it work. You know, for both of you. Remember, mm. here in Canada, you don't have family support. You don't have people who do chores at home. Exactly, you're on your own basically. So you have to collaborate on doing chores. You know, like for example, I do the, I clean the house. I do all. I mean, it's 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 a no brainer. I, it's something I have to do. I do. I thought you were going to say you cook. I, because, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't cook to save my life. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I can't cook to okay. save my life. But I can make uh, conflicts and uh, noodles. How and, else do they uh, make conflicts other than pour water into the cereal? <laughs> Please go ahead. Let's not go there. Let me know, Yabi. So we should thank uh, Mrs. Salako a lot for feeding you. But let's not go there. So I like what you're saying about... Yeah. I like what yeah, you're so saying about... Be a lot of responsibilities you know when you land uh, you have to make the work uh, less burdensome on your spot especially for men especially us nigerian men you have to make the work you know less burdensome. yeah on your woman you have to share the responsibilities for you know catering to the kids for you know doing the chores at home grocery shopping and all of that you have to put in the work and then uh, another thing, there will be conflict. There will be times when though, we're, we're human, right? So there will be times when you're, you, it's not just, things are not just, uh, they're, they're not just working out and you're depressed or you're sad about it. So talk to your partner about it. Let them know how you're feeling. Be open about it. Um, where necessary, get outside help. Get support, you know, from, a, there are a lot of relationship counselors here. Uh, you can even get mm. some of these services free as newcomers. Mm. You know, so find mm. out what you know services are available to you in this area, in your in your city uh, or the city you're headed to, and take advantage of them. Trust mm. me, those things do help. You know, those things do sure. help. So leverage mm. outside support. Once you find that there is conflict, there's a breakdown in communication. You're not hearing each other out. Get help, especially if you love what you have together. Make sure you get help. Okay. And get counsel okay. on what you're going to do. Okay. Professionals will walk you through that process. I see a bit of uh, I see a bit of the chief editor of Zuckerview couple there. But yeah, I'm not gonna put you I'm not gonna put you on the spot. You, you might want to well, we're run out of time. I wish we can continue this conversation, but we run out of time. And so thank you, Bamdeli, for being on this podcast today. Um, like I always say, we are the the whole idea of the podcast is so that we're not coming in to speak to anyone or any professional as experts. Yes, Bamdeli on this particular episode is an expert because this is what he does professionally. However, I don't come into this podcast like an expert. I just come to want to share stories and with real people and just to encourage us so that um, anyone who is on this journey 
um, do not get uh, what's it called you do not get frustrated on the journey and you actually um, find help and all the hope you can get um, so Bambele thank you so very much for spending time with us on this podcast this is by far um, one of the the longest for me and the most interesting that I'm having with someone that I, you know I, I barely know and so thank you Bambele you've made this super 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 easy and and thank you for coming on board and we should say um we would like to hear more from you. So but I'm going to put you on the spot. When I invite you for a next conversation, I hope you're going to come on board with us. I, I think I want to have a conversation with um, Mrs. Notch and a guest. So it's going to be like three people in that conversation. I think it's going to be more fun. Mrs. Notch brings out the element in me. <laughs> so yes, if you want to see the best and the fullest ambulance that I can have, you should join me on Mrs. Notch one of these days. So thank you very much for coming on this particular episode. We're super glad thank to you. have you. Yes, and I'm going to share. Bamdele also has um, creates resources on YouTube, and he writes really lovely um, articles on on LinkedIn. I would share his details also wherever I share this. And until I see you next time on the podcast, um, do know you're not the only one on this journey, and I wish you the very best. Um, good night. Thank you.